0: It's that time of the week again. You are about to participate in a great adventure. It's that time when the latest episode of Digital Kill the Radio Star drops. Drop!
1: What the hell do you think you're doing?
0: It's time to waste another hour or so with David and Chris.
2: Oh my God!
0: As they spout out more of their worthless music knowledge. I wouldn't do that if I were you. You had time
2: to.
0: It's time to hear them discuss the music of their youth. It's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. As well as the music of today. Excuse me while I whip this out. I want
2: to love.
0: So, kick back, relax, and have some fun with David and Chris. Who are those guys? Damn, sir. Damn, sir. Digital Damn. Kill the Radio Star starts nice.
2: now. <laughs> Come
3: on, quit stalling! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast. As always, I'm your host, David. Uh, my buddy Chris is sitting this one out this week he, uh, He's up in Memphis taking advantage of the uh, hot weather, I'm sure And uh, having a good time So this is going to be a bonus episode uh, We do these from time to time with just me when, our, when I interview somebody And so this week um, we're really lucky to have Clint and Amber from the band Amber Eye And they are a, a band out of Austin, Texas And uh, their publicist I met at the uh, Nashville Rockin' Pod uh, I guess last year and uh, she sent me their music and asked me if I would be interested in uh, interviewing them. And uh, I was. So uh, welcome to the podcast, Clinton Amber.
4: Thank you. Thank you. How's it going? Nice.
3: Oh, man. Things are good. Things are good. Well, let me ask you this. We ask everybody this. This is the first question. I ask everybody to interview. All right, it's for both of you. Okay. What was your first memory of music and who was your first favorite artist? Well, sheesh.
4: Uh, my first time I saw first brush of music uh, I was just a little kid and uh, I was at this, this uh, like a county fair and I saw some guys up on the bandstand just playing as hard as they could and I think they were playing wipeout or something you know I was probably three but uh, I was just a little kid oh. and having a good a good time
2: <laughs> a little
4: I was having a good time my mom says and uh, mm. so about the first time anybody you know the first band started making an impact, on me, I would think I would probably be, uh, you know, when I was after I was about 13 or 14. It seemed like uh, I was discovering older music, like the Beatles or Crosby, Stills and Nash, or something. You know, it was, it was just silly, uh when everybody else is playing punk rock, I'm trying to figure out uh, Crosby, Stills and Nash. You know, that's that was a little bit behind. <laughs> what,
3: but, about uh, what, yeah, about, I, what about you? What about you, Amber?
4: I remember Amber? that made a big impact on me. Amber.
1: Um, Yeah, I give you a real innocent one and then a crazier one. I just uh, my father uh, was just as a little kid, I was like four or five, and you know he's out doing a lot of yard work, so I didn't watch a lot of uh, cartoons. I'd watch MTV, you know, Steven Tyler, uh, Def Leppard. It looks like I'm sitting with Joe Elliott, but no, (laughs) Uh, I mean I basically I basically just you know from even just watching MTV and then. Later, my dad showing me the oldies and um, a lot of doo I mean, even early, like, they called it Cola 99.9 and go through Warner Springs in the San Diego Mountains. I grew up in San Diego. He's, I mean, I had such a, a wide, you know, sort of variety and influence. And then later meeting a band called Kettle Cadaver out of Temecula, which is infamous, and um, it, it was my childhood. And later on, it got to be, like, you know, is crazy band but i mean um edwin who's now passed uh away but he he kind of set his own rules made his own reality was uncompromising and didn't seek validation uh and just it's been i just took it from there and you know being influenced by the 90s bands as well because of my age i'm 37 i'm old
4: we come from different places but we we know. do this together
1: yeah
3: well, um, when did when did y'all actually start this as a band? When did we start this as a band?
1: He, um officially. Yeah,
4: about two years ago.
1: Two years ago, yeah.
4: Yeah, about two years ago, we started. A, we got married, and she moved to town, uh, and then um, she was working on her songs, and she'd been playing these songs all along, and, and so then she, I had a friend with a studio. And she goes, well, you think we could go over there and record one of them? And I said, sure, we probably could. So uh, we got to talking, and the demos got around, and we ended hey, up, uh, yeah, Raquel and Steve heard them, and then uh, Just we got crazy. a, we ended up uh, with a uh, <clears throat> independent record deal from uh, Steve with Steve's uh, with the company uh, Double, <laughs> <laughs> Double Trouble Productions, who uh, who uh, let us make a record for them. And uh, that was last year, and so uh, now we're uh, we, the record came out, I guess uh, probably last September. We started uh, doing little tours and playing around, and so that's about as that's about how long that went on. So we've gone from wondering if we could make record one of them to a, a whole album going to play for people and doing interviews like this with guys like you.
3: <laughs> now, Amber, you said you're a child in the '90s. Um, I was listening to some. I was listening to some of the songs on the album today, and. I definitely caught like a '90s vibe to it, but also I feel like at some point one of you listened to the Sonic listen to Sonic Youth a lot. I kind of pick up on I kind of pick up on a little bit of Sonic Youth on some of those songs.
1: Guilty, guilty is charged. Yeah, that would be. Yeah, and the Smashing Pumpkins, and but I mean I even loved the Joan Jett, the Pretenders, uh, X, the punk band X. I mean, I I kind of was always saying a good song is a good song. The genre didn't matter.
4: Right.
1: And the people always would say like, well, what genre are you? And I'm like, it's, to me, it's just rock and roll. You know, I even like some rap songs, and but I don't write it. You know,
4: right. it's
1: just to such a beautiful. Everybody just expressing. Music themselves. is
4: music, man.
1: You know, I can't imagine even post pandemic if we can ever say post <laughs> uh, the music that's going to come out of that. You know, people used to say your lyrics are too depressing, and that's what Steve loved that. But then the music was happier, but the lyrics when you kind of You'll look into it, and I'm like, now people may, might get it. I don't know, you know.
3: Well, that's true of a lot of songs. Like, I one of my big pet peeves is like misinterpretation of lyrics just because something has a big hook. Like, take the song Pearl Jam uh, Alive by Pearl Jam, that's just as depressing yeah. of a song as you're ever going to hear if you listen to the lyrics, right? And now it's like this like anthem, you know. And, and you know, people in the stadium and stadiums go crazy for it. But I have heard Eddie Vedder say, Look, once I write the song. And it leaves me. It's whatever people want it to be. And he was oh, like, yeah. he's like, a lo- he said that it used to bother him that people thought that was a cheerful song. And then he said, one of the fans told him, said, "Well, look, you can look at it from this viewpoint. You overcame all of that, and look at this life you've got now because of mm-hmm. it." And uh, yeah, I, I've I've always thought that's fascinating. Like people just go, "Oh, this is such a happy song." And I'm like. Like, R.E.M.'s The One I Love. That is a disturbing song. I mean, you're just, yeah, a, just a, a prop to occupy my time. I mean, <laughs> sad.
4: It's a sad it's a sad, uh, yeah. sort of uh, loner, you know, looking at something else, you know, another side of life
3: song, you know.
2: Yeah.
3: This one goes out to The One I Love, you know. Now, Clint, you talking about, uh, you know, your early influences were The Beatles and, and Crosby, Stish, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. At some point, it sound I mean, based on the album, based on the music that I've heard, you definitely moved on from that into like more of a. Oh, yeah. a what 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 was kind of your foray in, into getting into a little bit heavier music? Well, let's see.
4: The Sex Pistols came along and pushed the, the,
3: pushed me over, and the Led
4: Zeppelin. You know, Jimmy Page was a big hero, obviously, and
1: uh,
4: Texas. has a lot of the Texas acts, you know, and, and Joe Ely. I guess you know he was a big big influence. And, like I said, uh, Dave Grissom, the guitarist and his band, mm-hmm. big influence. And uh, then I moved to Hollywood, I guess, at the end of the 80s and had a big, uh, you know, metal influence as well. And Glitter sort of took over, you know. So it was uh, just an amalgam of a lot of stuff, really. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's bands, you know, as a guitarist, there's bands that you love and that you wish they were influences, but then there's the bands that, mm-hmm. that uh, end up being your influences, you know. So, most of the, most of your rock and roll bands, you know, I'm just rattling off, you know, just like church, the church and, uh, you know, uh, any, any of the old punk rock stuff I dig a lot. So, yeah.
3: Were you a, uh, were you a social distortion fan?
4: Oh yeah, definitely. saw them four or five times, but a uh, big, big fan of those guys. And uh, I, was, I always wondered, like, uh, how did, you know, it's so damn simple. I don't know how he does it, you know?
2: Yeah, I
1: mean,
4: the his, adolescence.
1: Rick Agnew is a, you know, good buddy of ours, and he's a, his his stuff. I was just, oh my gosh, his guitar playing.
4: Yeah, just, he's a whole a whole nother level, you know, his just
1: visionary. Uh, his songwriting and <laughs> just, yeah, I was that little stupid girl that was like, the album he did uh, all by myself. I I didn't take it literally. I was like, oh, he did that all by himself, you know? <laughs> I just love everything he does and um i I've, I've seen you know seeing a lot of these people they're you know, on my mess of a friend's list or strangers you know people are like this is how they made their living and you're right. seeing people now applying for unemployment. I'm like, oh fuck you know right it's uh, it's a uh, painful
4: because right. that- a lot of those acts that we just rattled rattled off, you know that's they're their, that's their how their bread and butter you know now right. they can't even go on. They can't go on tour and can't play anywhere, and so they're not—they didn't get a whole lot of airplay, so there's really no mailbox money yeah. to right. be had anyway from that. So, uh, you know, what are they doing for money? I don't know.
3: Yeah, it's uh, it's it's crazy out there for sure. But the album uh, you guys have out is called "Along for the Ride." Uh, right. And uh, I should tell everybody, y'all have an Instagram account, Amber I Music, and your music right. is you, uh, your music is on the digital platforms. Uh, tell us uh, kind of a little bit about the album.
4: Well, we recorded over, uh, um, let's say, about uh, let's say a month or two maybe uh, at, a, at a studio here in town that my a buddy of mine uh, operates called uh, Bare Bones and Microphones, and it's, in, it's a home studio, but we managed to crank a pretty decent sound out of it. And uh, like I said, he worked, we worked every day. We worked every day for the better part of two months on it, and uh, you know, just got it, kept going over it till it was right. And he put the magic touch on it. Got to say, you know, just uh, from uh, uh, helping us with arrangements, you know, and uh, you know, I played key, ended up playing even keyboards on it, something I've never done. But uh, you know, that's how we did it. And then uh, Steve, uh, Steve had a producer in mind that he sent the record to after that to get it sort of uh, you know ready for the masses, in other words. So uh, Ron Pierce mm-hmm. did the production on it, and uh came out sounding really good. So oh, we're, Ron r- Pease. What's that Pease? Pease, Pease, sorry, mm-hmm. Ron Pease. Got to get the guy's name right.
3: Now but, uh, he, he
1: mixed the Breeders album. Yeah. Like, he, oh, my God, oh, my God.
3: <laughs> now, Amber, you play drums, is that correct?
1: Um no no uh, I, I like the idea of playing drums. She like
3: the idea of playing drums. If
1: you drums. got a forty second song, I can I can. Oh uh, for some it.
3: for some reason I thought you played drums and sang at the same time.
1: Oh no uh, no that would
3: be good. But
1: I yeah I I kind of it's always like funny as a like jack of all trades master at none. playing um you know the cars on drums and then you can hear the kick drum fall away something happens and I'm like. It starts losing its tempo. So I'm not a drummer, but uh, I started out attempting. I started out trying to play drums because of a uh, Jimmy Chamberlain from Smashing Pumpkins, not realizing how damn good he was. And so I, it was horrendous. And then I thought, oh, let's add an Iron Cobra double bass drum pedal and listen to Acid Bath and Slayer. Oh. It could have even worse from there. So I moved to the guitar. And guitar was a natural progression. I write all the songs on there. And now after this album, now I'm playing bass and. He's teaching me bass lines to my own songs. It's been fabulous because I I hear bass when I would do wannabe you know, recordings she, on my own. I she hear would bass the yeah. She would make these recordings. Yeah.
4: She'd make these recordings with the guitar playing bass lines. I said, You're yeah. just you should play bass. You're playing bass lines for every movie yeah, song. I didn't
1: know I was playing bass lines though. But I mean it, it we kinda came together. as a three piece it's um I wasn't quite gelling with his you know, he's a master at guitar, but then it's just besides that also his vocal projection and his composer, director skill, I mean, top to bottom. And I'm like, how did this happen? I was that one that didn't tune my guitar and would leap through the exit door and open <laughs> mic. And he says, no, I put a fire under my ass. Get your stuff properly recorded. And so the rest goes from there. And it's, you know, people always say, oh, I hear a lot of people, guys and girls, say, are you worried it'll ruin your relationship or, or the added pressure? or this and that and I just said well I've always done everything all or nothing and yeah I've thought about that but I thought who the hell cares this is rock and roll let's do it you know
3: (laughs) now before before you got here Clint was telling me about uh, how y'all played some shows last year and and had some more lined up for this year but obviously the COVID hit Uh, I'm assuming when we get the all clear you guys are going to hit the road right yeah yeah Um, you
1: know and yeah Definitely, you know I've, yeah. I've
4: been, I've, we kind of pick out a selector we kind of pick out a direction to go and we take off that direction you know we get we get a few shows booked in one way and then uh you know we try to we try to stream together for three or four shows at a time and mm-hmm. you know I got a job back home but uh, you know I can take off for a little while so
2: yeah it I've, works
3: it works out okay play y'all, about four, seven, did y'all have one book did, did I rewrite you get y'all had one booked in New Orleans before this happened we, we did we did we played in New Orleans. Okay. Where did you play in New Orleans? We played Checkpoint Charlie and
4: Peaches' okay. record. And we did an in-store at the Peaches in the uh, in the quarter over there. I guess it met. Well, it's over that way. I wouldn't say it's in the quarter proper, but I love, I love, so, I love New Orleans. Right? Oh
1: gosh, it had its own energy, and you wanted to like uh, be an owl and disappear into the night
4: sky. We had a we had a yeah. nice time there. It was a uh, it was uh, full of crazy people that always as advertised, you know, it's
2: yeah. got to be
3: new Orleans like that. Uh. Yeah. Well, I live, I live about three hours away and I get down there a couple of times a year and it's always, it's always funny. I love going down there and for about three days, I love it. But on day four, I've got to leave and yeah. I got to get it's out. Like Vegas. It's like Vegas. It's time to go. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like Vegas, except the food's a lot better. Well, that's true. <laughs> well, I will give you that. Yeah. So, you from Jackson? Uh, I, I actually grew up in the Mississippi Delta, and uh, okay. when I got out of uh, when I got out of pharmacy school, I've moved down here. Uh, yeah, i I've, all all the blues guys that you've heard of. I've I've seen where they where they buried, where they grew up. Um, right. All yeah, right. yeah, like a Sonny Boy Williamson and uh, Sunhouse, and I've been by where Robert Johnson got you know uh, poisoned and Probably. where he's buried and. yeah it's 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 one one of those places that's like the the musical heritage is there's there's hardly any place that has more than it does um like robert robert plant used to always come to where i grew up because Sonny boy williamson's buried there Um, oh yeah you know and so he would come down a lot but um kind of wrapping this up um okay you you said you guys have are are thinking about or starting writing for another record
4: right we're, yeah. we're in the middle of that right now as a matter of fact so we kind of string it together some of our favorite riffs and links it's on her po- poetry and my poetry we're going to make another record here another yeah. stab at it so.
1: more, uh, stronger vocals as i want to do it like and getting better at bass since that you know it it's going to be it, more up-tempo my clothes you know i mean it's it's going to be i'm excited you know, yeah it's
4: needed. We're in
3: pre-production right now, is what yeah. I would say. Well, so uh, I, I joke with people like, "There's going to be so much music come out of this," and I was like, "How many? How many prog rock bands are going to have these COVID concept albums? It's going to be uh, like <laughs> Co- Coheed yeah. and Cambria, you know." Uh,
1: Pandemic will tear us apart
3: instead yeah. of helping. <laughs> yeah, that's that's going to be the big thing. <laughs> well, listen. Yeah, that's holds pretty low. And it, uh it, it's it's been really nice talking to you you guys and I and I hope uh I hope once the uh once COVID's over, um you know, you're able to hit the road and we'll tell everybody that the album is along for the ride. You can find it on all your digital platforms and follow them on Instagram at Amber Eye music. Right. And uh Check
4: Bandcamp at Amber I and-
3: Yes. I'm sorry, you said Bandcamp?
4: Yeah, we have yeah. A, we have a page in Bandcamp that I leak out uh
3: Songs on, on to you know, just to keep people's interest yeah. something, hear, something to hear, you know. So keep your eye on that, too. Cool. Well, thank you for taking a few moments out of your time. I, I really appreciate sure. it. And uh, Chris will be back with me next week, and we will talk to you guys then. Take care. Everyone
2: just slips. Yeah!